Hey everyone, this is Andrew. We are recording this night of worship message after the fact uh, because we didn't get it recorded on uh, February 5th, but it's going to be even better. We're here at the Reaching the Roar property, our campus house. I'm here with Emily. How you doing, Emily? Good, how are you? And Logan? I'm doing all right. Okay, and we're going to jump into this passage, uh, but in preparation for this message tonight, we're in, we're in a theme, I should say this right off the bat, we're in a theme called Bear Fruit, where we're going through the fruit of the Spirit, and then we're contrasting each fruit of the Spirit with one or two uh, works of the flesh that are found in Galatians chapter 5, and it has been a fantastic study for us. But in preparation for this message tonight, I tried to think of a time when I was the most happy in my life, and so... A few memories immediately came to mind. Number one, when I made the varsity basketball team at my high school in Oklahoma as a freshman, I uh, freaked out and I was so excited and I was so happy and I got the jersey and I came home and I put it on and stood in front of the mirror like, just like so happy, big number 50, uh, all 130 pounds of myself at the time. Uh, and then I was thinking about when Samantha and I got married in 2006. Uh, I was terrified and happy at the same time. And then also when our first child, Tinley, was born in 2012. Uh, things that kind of mark our lives. I think I was so happy. And then I was thinking about where joy was found in these three memories. There was always been the threat of this thing called hostility. So... Uh, hostility is always close by when joy is present as well. And our enemy, the devil, and I think we should talk a lot about our enemy t tonight in this message because he does not want us to experience the fullness of joy and he wants to distract us with this enemy um, mentality of hostility. Um, and as a result of this, if, it, if he can get us fighting... As a result of this, our joy is stolen, and he can create hostility at any point in our lives. And he knows he can tear us all the way down, zapping any semblance of happiness. And so the big question for us to think of as we start the message is, what about us? Uh, where is joy lacking in our lives, and where is hostility breaking through? And then thinking about when was the... When was a time in our lives when we were the most happy? And kind of tracing that back. Can you identify moments when you were distracted as well from joy because of hostility? And so we've gathered tonight for this message to stick it to the devil. Uh, Jesus' blood allows us to do this with confidence, knowing that he is strong enough to get us to this place. And the big question I was also thinking is, what if happiness was closer than we thought? And so just like all of our life group lessons this semester, we're going to kind of contrast uh, the two uh, words, uh, joy and hostility, or some translations will say enmity, which is uh, a bizarre word that most of us don't use on a daily basis. I mean, maybe, maybe Logan does. Um, no? No. No, okay. All right. So uh, joy is the first word. Kara is the Greek word used 59 times in the New Testament. It can also be translated as delight, 
or great happiness or a state of joy and gladness. And then hostility, six times in the New Testament, ektra is the Greek word, and it can be translated as hatred or hostility. So three times in the ESV it's translated as hatred, three times it's, it's translated as hostility. And two kind of parallel passages for hostility that are great to look up. Uh, it, we don't have time to cover this right now, but in Ephesians 2.16 and Romans 8.7, we can see this using uh, of hostility. A de- definition for uh, enmity or hostility, hatred, the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. And so that's kind of the two rivals we got tonight, joy and hostility. And so let's, let's just jump in and let's see what God wants to teach us tonight uh, through these two words. And so Logan's going to read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. Remember the earlier days when, after you'd been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions, and at other times you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions, because you knew that you yourselves had a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you need endurance, so that after you've done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Mm, Thank you. So this first scripture, we're only going to have two scriptures tonight that we cover, Hebrews 10. Uh, This passage is all about remembering joy, remembering joy. And the writer of Hebrews, he wants to activate his recipients' memories in order to get them through what they are currently experiencing in the first century. And I think activating our memories is just a huge part of our growth in Jesus. Uh, Many times we would like to think uh, and ask this question, what does my past have to do with my present? And I would argue, and the passage would argue, it has everything to do with our present. And it isn't just your past. We are a part of the richest legacy of faith this world has ever seen in Christianity. People uh, in our heritage as Christians have suffered and are currently suffering uh, an immeasurable amount of pain in this world. And they did and they do endure it with joy. And I think that's really good for us to remember. uh, Us being in Indiana right now in the United States, our experience as Christians is quite a bit different than someone in Syria uh, or in other parts of the world where it's harder to be a believer in Jesus. Hostility has a way of distracting us from who we really are. And remembering joy reactivates the reality of our rich past and then it preps us for a better future. And when we can reach back and we can remember joy, even in the midst of pain, uh, it helps us and prepares us for a better future. And I think expectations work in here too. So if we're expecting everything to work out perfectly <laughs> in this life and we get to a moment and it, and it just blows up on us, it can be very discouraging, um, but we need to know that in our lives and in lives of millions and millions of Jesus followers, they have endured hostility with joy. 
Now, I think verse 34 is where we see this exemplified, and that's where we see the, the word kara, um, joy used. They joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property. <laughs> and so many of us wince when we see this, but it was an occasion for happiness in these people's lives. Joy is always looking ahead to the better, like the passage says, to the better and lasting possessions. Remember a time when this has happened in your life, where you were looking ahead to the better and lasting uh, possessions. Um, maybe, or maybe, maybe you haven't really experienced as much, but you've seen it in somebody else's life. And so in my life, the guy for me was uh, one of my mentors, Carl, who recently passed away last year. Um, he was just such a joyful person. And all the way to his final days on earth, uh, he was exemplifying joy. And I, one of my favorite memories was singing hymns with him uh, by his bedside as he was getting ready to, to enter into his reward. And just seeing the joy on his face as we were singing was just, it's just unmatchable. And so the writer of Hebrews, he also calls these Christians to remember back to Habakkuk's prophetic statement. And so this is kind of a wild thing for us because sometimes we don't make connections in the Old Testament, but it's so important. He, this statement in Habakkuk 2, 3, and 4, uh, the righteous one will live by their faith. Our faith is not founded in what we can hold in our hands. Joy always looks beyond what is currently seeable. Hostility wants us to forget anything positive from the past and only focus on what we see now. And if you're seeing a bunch of smoke from fires going on in your life, it's hard to see a reason to get out of bed in the morning. But sometimes if we can look back and we can remember that joy in the midst of trial, it can help us moving forward. So genuine joy, first of all, remembers. And so Emily Gillespie is going to share her story about her, her grandmother this time. Yeah, so when we were talking about what stories we were going to share, um, one of the things that Andrew and I talked about was um, the joy that we see coming from my grandma and everything that she's gone through. And so thinking about her um, and the joy, finding that through the hard times, I think of my grandma. In 2020, my grandpa had an unexpected heart attack and passed away, and that was really hard on just our family in general and all of the friends that my grandma had and in their little small town community. Uh, my grandma was very afraid in that situation. She had never really made decisions without someone there to help her make them or to have someone make them for her. And so um, she had never really just made those decisions by herself and she, was, she wasn't necessarily bitter or angry when he passed because she knew where he was now and that he was with Jesus and living his best life up in heaven um, and that his life was now perfect in every way. Uh, she was just very afraid in that situation and she didn't know really what to expect after that for herself. Um, but um, this past Labor Day, she was out in Pennsylvania visiting her family, her aunts and uncles and cousins, and she fell and broke her foot. And in that situation, she had to come back to Indiana early 
and ended up in an assisted living home, meaning like she wasn't able to live by herself anymore because she wasn't able to uh, provide for herself. Um, and she had to stay in that assisted living home to recover. And in this situation, she was very angry. She was mad at herself. She thought that nothing good would come from this situation. And she had so many plans, um, trips that she had planned or sporting events for her grandkids that she was going to go to and everything was now canceled for her. She was stuck in this assisted living home and couldn't go out and have all the fun that she wanted to. So in both cases for her, she had to make a choice for herself. Um, she could have spent a lot of time feeling sorry for herself and making herself and everyone around her feel miserable because she was just stuck in this um, place of hostility and anger and sadness, or she could find strength and joy in something. And she chose to find strength and joy in the Lord. And so my grandma had to joyfully accept that my grandpa wasn't there and that her foot was shattered and allow God to remind her that he was there through all of it. And the only way that she knew how to find joy was to go to the Bible and look at scriptures. And the one verse that she kept going back to was Psalms 27.1. And it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And I think this verse is just very powerful, especially to read over and over again when you're in that hard situation, that hostile situation, is looking back and it's saying, whom shall I fear? You're not, don't fear but look to the Lord for that strength and that joy and that comfort. And so as I end, I just want to share part of a message that my grandma sent me. I told her that I was giving this message and um, just to get some feedback from her or some of her opinions. And she said this message, and I think it's just really important to remember and something to stick to. And she said, unfortunately, there's no easy answer. But two things are for certain. It only brings more heartache by being hostile, and God will never let us down. He is always faithful. And then in Nehemiah 8.10, she referenced that, and she said, The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so when we were talking about this message, I just kept remembering how my grandma would go back to joy and not sit in that feeling of anger and hostility. And so now I'm going to read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that, is so, easily, that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Wow. Thank you, Emily. That is so good. It's so encouraging to see how God has moved in your grandma's life. And that passage uh, that Emily just read is our second scripture that we're going to cover in this message. And so the first part was remembering joy and how important that is, especially in that story, is so convicting for me just to hear those words. Uh, the second passage is all about reflecting joy. 
So it isn't just enough for us to remember joy. We also need to start reflecting it to everyone we know. As Christians, our reflecting standard is Jesus himself. How did he view uh, the idea of joy? How did Jesus view the idea of joy? And as we see in his life, uh, when he was on earth in flesh, those 33 years, and especially the final three years when he was uh, doing his earthly ministry, uh, teaching and healing, um, we know that joy uh, was something that was radiating from Jesus. Um, so the big question is, why do we need to reflect joy? Shouldn't it be enough to just point people to Jesus? <laughs> well, don't look at me. Look at Jesus, you know. Uh, why, why do we need to reflect joy? Uh, there is a, a, a Greek word in the New Testament that's uh, martis, and it's the, where we get the word martyr. It also means, it's translated in the New Testament a lot as witness. We are Jesus's witnesses if we aren't reflecting people won't get their chance to see and that's something that emily and logan and i talked a lot about in our prep time using the influence that in the platforms god has given you whether it's uh, the gamers hall or luddy school or brownsburg schools uh, emily or your work you do at connection point christian church all of these are opportunities for us to let people see glimpses of who Jesus is. And verse 2 is where we see uh, this Greek word kara again uh, in this section. And what does it mean for the joy set before him is what the translation was. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Our Savior was able to see the cross, hate everything about it, and see past it to his resurrection and our redemption. Man, that is just so convicting for me because he endured the cross, despising the shame, and then saw the joy uh, set before him as well. Um, so there's a bit of a double meaning when we see this word reflect for us as Jesus followers. It kind of ties into our previous point about remembering. But our goal is to reflect his example for everyone to see and hopefully see some place uh, their trust in the same one who saved us from our sin. And still, it, even though all this is true, we won't reflect Jesus' example of joy until we reflect upon his cross, because that's what it says in verse 3. Uh, Remember him who endured hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I know we've all been tempted to grow weary and lose heart, but reflecting and reflecting in both senses of the, the word uh, is vital to not growing weary and losing heart. And our enemy, like we talked about earlier, the devil doesn't want us to do either kind of reflection. And so he, his goal to keep us from doing either kind of reflection is to make us feel hostility toward God and toward other people. And I think if we have hostility toward God and we start blaming God, we start blaming other people, we will not reflect Jesus and his joy to the world around us. And we will not remember, we won't reflect. Instead, we're going to recoil and uh, kind of you know, just become bitter. So our goal 
tonight in this message is not to believe his lines, the devil's lines, and to double down on the truth about joy, about what genuine happiness really is. So genuine joy reflects. So Logan's going to share his story at this time uh, to kind of just tie everything together with this story about his family. Yeah, so for me, looking at the the Hebrews 12 passage, um, I feel like it's a verse that a lot of the time we we read and it's kind of this like, oh, like hallelujah choir kind of moment. Um, and I don't think that we necessarily stop to actually take a deeper look into what it really means and how we can kind of practically use that um, in our lives. And so for me, kind of focusing on the, the joy aspect of it, um, you know, I think we see there's really a sacrificial joy here, um, kind of like Andrew said, that reflects. And so I was trying to think of some times in my life that maybe I've seen that sacrificial joy. Maybe there were some people that um, kind of embodied that for me. And as I kind of was going back and forth between that, I, I settled on my parents. Um, and I think they're both great examples um, of what the sacrificial joy can look like um, and the impact it can have um, reflecting on people. Um, so just for a little bit of background, I am the oldest of four siblings, um, and then there's my mom and my dad in our family, so it's a little bit of a bigger family. Um, and starting with my dad, uh, my dad was a police officer, um, Columbus, Ohio City police officer for 10 years. Um, and the reason he got out of his career um, was because of the, the birth of my, my youngest, my second youngest brother, um, so I guess the second child. Um, and, and this was kind of a hard decision point, not only in his life, but also kind of for our family, um, because he really enjoyed his career. Um, that was kind of his life goal was to work in law enforcement. Um, and so he, he, was, he had this choice to either uh, basically sacrifice his career to, to become a stay-at-home dad and raise a family, or to continue on um, in, his, in his career and then we would essentially not see either of our parents for a large majority of the day because my mom was working through kind of her residency at the time and uh, he was working at the, the third shift for, um, for his police job. And neither decision would have been wrong necessarily, um, but the decision he made was, was to quit his career um, and become that stay-at-home dad and that's kind of opened a lot of doors for him throughout his life and throughout my life um, that maybe wouldn't have otherwise been there if uh, both parents were employed. Um, and it's because of the joy that he sacrificed that with um, that it reflects to others through kind of his ministry. Uh, he coaches soccer um, at a local Christian school. Um, he also is on the worship team um, at our church. Um, and even just in the home, being able to reflect, you know, what does what does the love of a father look like um, in the lives of of children every day? Um, And so through those ways, that choice he made would have been now 12 years ago um, is still continuing to reflect through through the children, through the church, um, through the school. Um, And I know if you asked him, that's kind of where um, outside of Christ himself, he would probably find his most joyous through that opportunities um, that have kind of been presented to him um, in, in those areas. And then for my mom, 
um, it, it's the opposite. Her, her joy and her sacrifice um, comes through her profession. Um, so I know I mentioned that she was in residency, but now she's working full-time in healthcare. Um, and she often works, you know, 10 to 12 hour days, five days a week, um, essentially gets no days off because of uh, where, where she works in her role. Um, but the thing about my mother is, and I actually asked her this this summer, because uh, I never really had thought about it when I was younger, um, is she never seems to complain about the work that she does and the time that it takes. Um, you know, she comes home from a long day at work and she goes right to charting. And she's up to three in the morning working on charts. Um, and so I kind of just asked her, I was like, you know, I feel like you never get any free time. You never kind of get any of that time to yourself um, that maybe someone in a traditional nine to five or, or even just the rest of the family does because, you know, she's the only one that's working at, at 10 o'clock at night. Um, and her response to that, um, that aligns really well with what we're talking about here was, you know, this is my ministry and this is how I sacrifice um, and where I feel like I'm called uh, to serve. Um, and so using her employment kind of as that platform um, to reflect that joy, um, even, you know, when she's dealing with, with sick, people, sick people all day, um, when they're not always the happiest, um, I know working in a hospital environment isn't always the most um, the most pleasant um, environment <laughs> with some of the people you have to deal with. Yes. Um, but even despite all that, despite some of that hostility that we talk about, it, it brings her joy um, to know that she's where she's at, uh, being called and working, uh, like she said, in that ministry opportunity. Um, and for me now, kind of entering into that, that workforce environment, entering in, even into college, um, for the most part, it's, it's been a challenge to me to reflect that same spirit um, in all of the work that I have to do, mm -hmm. whether that's homework, whether that's uh, maybe some kind of student organization that I don't feel like going to on a particular day. Um, and showing that joy of Christ um, through how you respond to, to that sacrifice and that maybe you would call it adversity at times. Mm -hmm. um, it is, is where you can find that, that true sense of joy and where you can reflect that to others. Um, and, and so seeing both of these examples in the home, um, for me and I know for my, my siblings as well, is that's where we've been able to see what the joy of Christ looks like, what um, sacrificial joy looks like and how it reflects to others um, in a community, in a home, in a school, wherever you're at, there's an opportunity to be able to reflect that. And that's kind of where I've seen joy in my life. So good. And uh, just to kind of further you know, illustrate that, you know, Logan sent me the link for his home church's uh, worship services in Ohio, and I got to watch a service where they, his mom and dad were up there leading worship together. And it, it's inspiring just seeing that if you don't know the backstory, but if you know everything that's gone on their family, the sacrifices of love that have happened and the joy that's been reflected, it, it just, it's just, it's inspiring. It's so inspiring. It's distracting. It's just so good. I thank you for sharing that. And I think Logan's story and Emily's story are so important for us to hear because when we, we often don't sit and think about the fact uh, of the examples that are set before us. So genuine joy remembers, 
God's faithfulness and what he's done for us in the past and genuine joy reflects that to others. And so what are uh, we all doing right now to actively remember what God has done for us and our Christian ancestry? If we look at the history of Christianity, uh, I think we here's some things, I think practically speaking, that we can do to actively remember what God has done and what he can do in our lives. Now, number one, it's so basic, and these first two are super basic. Uh, read your Bible. You know, that is about as basic as it gets. We've heard that since we were in children's ministry as little wild little kids running around. But it is vital. We've got to hear from God's voice. Uh, we believe the Bible is inspired, inerrant, and it's God's truth for our lives. It grounds us in every way imaginable. It is not a neat and nice little book. It is complicated. It is messy. It has got everything in it that you can imagine. All the sin that you see in the world today is in the Bible. And it's about Jesus coming to set all things right. And um, with his cross and with his eventual return. Second is to spend time... I think one of the things that can help us to actively remember is to spend time and to journal our prayers and our experiences. Write things down. Go old school. Go, go analog. Get a piece of paper. Get a pen. Get a journal. Uh, Emily's actually got one right across from us right here, a little blue journal she's written in. I think it's just it's something about it is so much uh, uh, just value in writing things down. Uh, the third to remember would be to take communion. To remember what Jesus did for us on the cross through the body and the blood. We talked a lot about this with, you know, whether your church, you know, Emily's church takes it every week that she attends. Actually, they attend the same church right now, Logan and Emily do. But in Ohio, Logan's home church would do these special communion services where we really focus on the body and the blood and how that is, that is how we are saved is through Jesus' sacrifice. It's so good to remember that. And then the last one is just talk to someone who is old. You know, if you want to get some wisdom, you want to get some uh, indicator of God's faithfulness and what he could do in your life, look in someone else's life who's older than you. And they don't have to be 90, but maybe they are. And just ask him, like, uh, what happens with Emily if she doesn't ask her grandma to reflect on that? We don't get that, that pure gold quote that we got. And it's just... We'll have that, she'll have that with her for the rest of her life uh, written down. So the other uh, question is how can we, so that's kind of how we can rem remember. So how can we reflect Christ's example of joy? Number one is to live sacrificially. You know, don't just think about yourself and how you can please yourself. Uh, being a Christian is about uh, loving God and loving others. Um, and sometimes that's going to mean that you'll have to sacrifice resources or your time or your energy when you don't feel like you have it, honestly. I'm sure your dad, Logan, has had many, many, many times where he has felt like he couldn't do it, but God has been faithful. The second, I think it's important, is not to belittle your circumstances. So at the same time, where we reflect, we reflect Christ's example of joy in difficult circumstances uh, we, we don't just say, well, this isn't really that big of a deal. I'm reflecting joy, you know. You can say how bad it is. Jesus did that. He said he, he, he despised the shame, you know. 
He, he didn't like the cross. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane to look for another way to, to not go to the cross. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. And for the joy set before him, he went and he sacrificed himself for us. So don't belittle your circumstances. You can say how bad it is. That's good to do that. Third is the same as the other third one is to take communion. And the Bible says that when we take communion in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that we proclaim the Lord's, um, what, what he's doing. We, like, we, we proclaim it from the rooftops, what he has done in our lives. And then I think another way we can reflect Christ's example of joy is just to grow stronger. And this isn't just to kind of somehow have more will, but it's to become more dependent upon Jesus. And I think if we were truly remembering and reflecting in our lives, a few things would happen. We would, con- we would have more influence than we've ever had in our lives. We would continue to have influence no matter where we're at, whether we're at work or in class or at church or in relationships, in our families, we would have more influence. Second, we would always have a reason to smile and to, to experience true joy and, and perspective and trials. Third, we would have an increased purpose for every day. I know it's so hard to, to find a reason to be motivated to do our 100% in, in every day, but when we look at this and we say, hey, can we remember, can we reflect, every day we'll have uh, a purpose and a reason. And then the last is, we would, um, we would attend church, and when it wouldn't just be a box to check. Now, I've been, th- I've been feeling this heavy recently with everything that's been going on with our family. We've got some uh, serious uh, trials going on with, with health uh, issues in our family. And when I go to church as of late, I'm not going just to say that I went. I'm going to survive. Like, if I don't get, if I don't hear a word from the Lord today at church or in my personal time with the Lord, I am going to lose it. The only way I'm going to survive is by remembering and reflecting. And so that's, that's the gist of this, these two passages, the joy versus hostility. And I think joy dominates 100% in this, uh, in this message. So let's close in prayer and then we'll We'll be done with our message. Thank you so much for taking the time to share this uh, message with us. Father, thank you so much. Uh, We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for Emily's uh, grandma, Kathy. We thank you for her perspective and and not giving up and and fighting and showing us what true joy looks like. We thank you for Logan's family and how they sacrificially love one another. Uh, None of us are going to be perfect. But God, we can, we can be better. Um, with your help, we can be more focused on what this life is really all about, what joy is really like. Help us. We, we need your help. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you at the next night of worship on March the 4th.